Let's say we're now coming to the time of the going to the ministry of the Word of God. And before we do that, let's just prepare our hearts in prayer and surrender to God. Okay, let's pray. Father, we uh, once again we thank you for your presence, and uh, now we once again we ask you, Lord, that you will fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit, and uh, as we prepare and uh, uh, prepare to hear your word. We pray that the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, will guide us into all the truth. Thank you, Jesus, because it is the only thing that will transform us. We ask you, Father, every word here spoken will change us, Father, that we may become more and more like Jesus. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this morning my, the title of my sermon will be Knowing God. For the last three, four weeks, we've been talking about the truth, knowing the truth. So uh, now I want to talk about uh, knowing God. A uh, few weeks ago, I, I read the scripture from Timothy chapter, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul, in verse 1, he said that in the last days there will be times of difficulty where people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient, and all those things, heartless, unpeaceable, slanderous, no self-control. And they will have the appearance of godliness, but there's no power under that, uh, that appearance. And Paul's warning is that avoid such people. And the problem with these people also, Paul said, they're always learning, but never able to arrive to the knowledge of the truth. In other words, they don't really know the truth. He, he's talking about, obviously, for us, the truth as embodied by Jesus himself. So, uh, uh, and uh, I think the, uh, the reason I, I, I feel the, the, the need to, to talk about this uh, uh, knowing God, because just like what we experience now, Difficult, uh, difficult times at the moment, and uh, with the COVID-19, and who knows what else is going to happen in the next future. But I want to uh, remind us again, for, you know, of the the promise that Daniel, in Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, where he says, in that he made a statement, "They that know their God in the midst of this tumultuous time." The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. So my thing is, this idea of the knowledge of God, what does that really mean, the knowledge of God? Having the knowledge of God, I, I'll divide it into two. The knowledge of God, we can know about Him or know of God or know God, know Him. We can know about Him, it's like, you and I, we could, we could know about God through our friends. Some people know God about from, from their, their, uh, their, yeah, their friends, high school friends or whatever, or you know, at uni or at work. Some people, maybe the only time they, they, they hear about God is when, they, when their dads accidentally slam their, their thumbs and that's the first time they hear about God in a bad way. <laughs> All right? It's like, oops, and then, you know, 
And the name of God came out. So, okay. <laughs> and, uh, but I want to talk about the knowledge of God is knowing Him. I'm talking, I want to talk about the context of relationship. To know God means to be well acquainted with God. Okay? Know Him personally. So, first I want to, I want to make, it, make this statement. To know Him, there are two aspects of this. One is God's prerogative, and the other one is our responsibility. God's prerogative is this, that the truth is that we don't get to know God just because we want to know Him. <laughs> yeah? As we learned before, always learning, the learning but never come to the knowledge of the truth. So we can, just because we want to know God, it doesn't guarantee that we will know Him. I'll explain why. Because the nature of God, if we explain God, God is infinite. And you and I, human, we are finite. So when you think about it, the infinite God, is it possible for the finite to know the infinite? Our brain capacity is like that much, whereas God's capacity is like as the infinite, like infinite. So is it possible for us to, uh, to know God? Now, the Bible describes that out of, out of His kindness and His grace, the finite limits and or reduces to a certain extent or, or brings himself and limits himself within the perspective of this or the infinite because of his grace brings and limits himself and brings himself into the, the perception, the realm of perception of the finite. That's how we get to know him, by God actually bring himself into that. And we call we call that revelation. God reveals Himself, and uh, and we we uh, we can he, we can read from from First Corinthians when Paul talk about in in First Corinthians chapter chapter two where he said God said the Spirit of God searches the things even the the depth of God. Because no one knows what's in the mind of, of, of God except the Spirit of God. So my conclusion is, I can make this safely, make, and I'm, I'm, I'm confident to say this, that it takes God to make God known. Alright? It takes God to make God known. So we call that revelation. The infinite brings himself down to the perception of the finite. So... How God reveals himself in the Bible, as we read the Bible, God reveals himself in creation and uh, when he created the world. And the second thing is God reveals himself through his saving acts, when he, through the history of salvation. He revealed himself to Israel when all the signs and wonders and all in, in saving God, he used his power to save his people. But the Bible describes that the greatest revelation and how God makes himself known, the greatest revelation is in the person Jesus Christ himself. That's why we read before in John chapter 1 verse 18, the, uh, the last, last statement of, of John in his prologue of the, uh, the Gospel of John. No one has ever seen God at any time 
but the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So uh, it's, uh, that's pretty much the, the heart of the, of the book of, the jo of John. And that prologue begins with the statement of John, in the beginning was the, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made that has been made. So, so John Prima said, the Word created, together with God, who is God, created the world. That is the language of Genesis. Now I want to, I want to bring something here to just focus a little bit on this statement of John because he uses the language of Genesis. So let's go to Genesis chapter, uh, chapter one, one to, uh, Genesis chapter one, verse one to, to verse three, where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the, of the deep. So, in the beginning, God, okay, created the heavens and the earth. And then the, the next statement in verse 2, he said, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. My question here is like, is the Bible at this point talking about the same God? First is God, and then, and then he said, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. So is the Bible talking about the same God? The answer is yes, he's talking about the same God. Because you can't separate God from his spirit. And then, and we see in, in this thing, right, in this situation, verse one and verse two, in this scene, in that God was there, the spirit was there, but nothing happened, nothing was created at this point. And then we come to verse three, and then it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. So God said, and there was. Now what, what I can see is like, God's spirit was there, God was there, nothing happened until the word of God came forth from his mouth. Okay? Once again, you cannot separate God from his word. Because it said, and then God said, so I believe we're still talking about the same God here, still one God, right? God, his spirit, and his word. So God created the world with his word, which John in John chapter 1, Gospel of John chapter 1, where, where it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made. That has been made. So that's, that's pretty much the language of John. Now, here's the thing. Other religions are such, such as Judaism, so the Jews and the Muslims throughout the history of their religion have no problem with recognizing God, the authority of, they don't have any problem acknowledging and recognizing the authority of God and the authority of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, and the authority of the Word of God. Neither Jews nor Muslims have problem with that. But, they have, but the thing is, what distinguishes Christianity from those two religions is that, yes, God, the Spirit, and the Word, but the thing is, with, according to John, the Word then became flesh, and His name is Jesus. That's what distinguishes us from those other religions. 
So what we have here, like I, like I mentioned before two weeks ago, so we've got the written word and the incarnate word. Jesus is the incarnate word. And uh, so here's the thing. Like I said, reading and studying the scripture alone is not going to lead us into the knowledge of the truth. We have come, we have to come and to go to the person of the truth. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39, he said, you search the scripture thinking that you will find eternal life, but you refuse to come to me who can give you life. So, uh, so the, I have people ask, you know, I've heard people ask this question, okay, you've got Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that means, can I go to the Father just through the Holy Spirit without Jesus? In other words, can I know God just by going through the Holy Spirit? That's a good question. My, uh, my answer is this. If the reason for you to go to the Father through the Holy Spirit is to leave Jesus out of the equation, the answer is a big no. <laughs> All right? The answer is a big resounding no. You know why? Because Jesus said himself. He said, you come to me, then I'll give you the Holy Spirit. John chapter 7 verse 38, he said, He who comes to me, out of himself flow rivers of living water. In John chapter 7 verse 38. And then the disciples, the writer of the gospel of John who wrote that, he said, this Jesus said, because the Holy Spirit was not yet given to the, to the believers because Jesus was not yet glorified or raised from the dead. In other words, looking back after the statement of Jesus in history, John realized that, yeah, no, no, nobody received the Holy Spirit until Jesus was raised from the dead, just like Jesus promised. So what, what John is saying is like, yeah, we come to Jesus and then he gives us the Holy Spirit. Like as it is, like I believe if you go to the Father and said, you know, I want to know Jesus, without asking Jesus, the Holy Spirit will say, hey, I'll tell you who Jesus is. <laughs> it's very simple. But you cannot think that I can go to the Father and ask the Holy Spirit, leaving Jesus out of the occasion. No, you have, you can't separate the three. It has to be has to be Jesus. So, now, we, we, are, we, we said to, to, to uh, I said before that Jesus, uh, Jesus said, actually Jesus said that he is the giver of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So now, we've talked about God's prerogative and, and our responsibility. How does that work out? God's prerogative and our responsibility. This is where the passage that I would like us to, to focus on. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 2 to verse 12. Okay. This uh, letter to the Philippians is written by the same man who same man who wrote, you know, always learning but never come to the knowledge of the truth. However, this man as we, as we read, 
And as a matter of fact, if you study his history, he's actually the most learned man. He knew the Bible back to front. So, uh, so it's written by, by a highly learned man. Okay. So uh, let's go to the Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. And he says, I'm going to, as, as I read, I'll comment. So Paul, Paul wrote in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 2, and he said, Look out for the dogs. Okay? Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So if he used a, some very strong language here. He said, look out for the dogs. You've you got to understand. For the people, for the, for, the, for the Jews, dog is an unclean animal. You know, they're, they're unclean animals. All right? So he's referring to some people here with very strong language. Look out for dogs, unclean animals. Look out for evildoers. And look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Referring to the circumcision people who practice circumcision. Because we can see it in verse 3. He said, for we, the church, now he's referring to the church, are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So he's making a comparison between those dogs. <laughs> I mean, the language is very strong. Those dogs, people put confidence in the flesh, okay? But we are put confidence, no confidence in the flesh. And then he said in verse 4, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. In other words, I can, have com can boast just like those guys, the way they boast about their circumcision. He said, if someone else think, thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, or in the natural, or being, being a Jew, I am more. I have more reason. And then in verse 5, he's... He started to give his resume here. Let's read. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Now that's the pretty much written in the law. What he's referring is my parents obeyed the law to, to the dot. Of the people of Israel. So I'm, a, I'm an Israelite. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Now the tribe of Benjamin is, is uh, esteemed in, in, in the history of Israel. Also because... King Saul, the first king of Israel, came from Benjamin, and they were known as people who are, who are loyal to, to David also. And he's a, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. In other words, I know the Bible back to front. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, fault, faultless. Now this is, so he gave all this, his resume. I've got reason to boast on all these things. Then he started to talk about the cost of knowing Jesus. But whatever were gains to me, my past achievements, you know, all the resume that I just gave you, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth, okay, you can underline that, of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. So what Paul is saying is this, knowing God will cost you something, or anything, according to Paul, cost him everything. 
And he said, I consider them, the things that I've lost, he said, I consider them garbage. As, as a matter of fact, that word garbage, in some translation, it's uh, dumb or refuse. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So I said, all my, 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 my uh, reputation and, and my resume is just rubbish. He said, I consider it rubbish that I may gain Christ. In verse 9, I'd like you guys, because talking about the prerogative of God, I like this, and be found in Him. I like that. You know, many people always talk about, I found God, I found God. But according to Paul here, he found me. <laughs> I think that's probably more true than, than we finding God. Because God was never lost. I was lost. And according to Paul, yeah, I was lost. God was never lost. He found me. And he said, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from my achievement in the law. Pretty much that's what he's saying. But that's which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So he talked about his resume, and then he talked about the cost of knowing God. And then in verse 10, he started to talk about the, the reward. I want to know Christ. Whoa. Verse 10 there. I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of his resurrection and the participation, the participation, underline that, in his suffering. Why? He said, becoming like him in his death so that somehow I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. In other words, I want to be like Christ in, not just in the power, but also in his death. It's like, I want to know him, I want to be acquainted with him in everything, in his suffering. In his victory, in everything. You talk about union with Christ. Now, with that, so what am I responsible? So that's that's Paul's, that's God's prerogative that he found Paul. And Paul had to pay the price. But now the ongoing relationship of knowing Christ, what is my responsibility? What is my action then? Verse 12, he says, well, in verse 11, he said, I want to attain to the resurrection. In verse 12, he said, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, okay, underline this, but I press on to make it my own. Okay, press on. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, this is the next thing that we need to underline, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward, so forget what's behind, straining forward, I press on towards the goal of the prize, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I think Paul makes it very clear. Yes, he found me. Knowing him, he explains himself to me. I come to the knowledge of the truth. I come to know him. But the thing is, what is my responsibility? Now that he has found me, my responsibility is 
I need to forget what lies behind. And many of us can't go forward, can't go, can't press on to, because they can't forget what lies behind. They are unwilling to let go of what happened in the past. Now, according to Paul, forgetting what lies behind is not just the bad things, but even the great things that you might, you might have achieved in the past, like Paul said. I've done all that. They are amazing. But no, 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 no. My only pursuit is not to glory in what I've achieved, but to keep pursuing Jesus. That is the only thing. The only thing I have is to keep pursuing Jesus. So how, how do we do this in, in, uh, in our daily walk? Like we've talked about knowing the Word of God, being led by the Holy Spirit. I tell you about my experience. Like I said, knowing Jesus is not, it's not an event, it's a journey. Okay? So what I normally do, I develop what I good, a good spiritual habit, you know? A good habit. I think a few months or probably sometime last year, uh, as I read Luke chapter, Luke chapter 4, I said, I read in the Luke chapter 4 and uh, my title was just copying uh, this, this guy's book on seven habits of highly, highly successful people. And I wrote, Four S's of the seven, uh, four habits of highly spiritual people. In Luke chapter four, the habits of Jesus, scripture, Sabbath, spirit, and synagogue. <laughs> you, can, you can write that down. Scripture, Sabbath, spirit, and synagogue. Jesus was always, in any given situation, always go to the written word of God, scripture. He was always led by the Holy Spirit. Okay? And he always takes honor God in that day, that one day. And also the gathering of the believers. Four habits of highly spiritual people. But for us, I think it will be good for us to develop that habit. The Bible does say, do not neglect the gathering together. So, my experience after being over 40 years of being, 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 of walking with Jesus, doesn't matter what situation, just like Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, they that know, know their God in a situation like this. When Daniel wrote that, he wrote concerning even the deceptions that come to the people of God. People will, will, will forsake the covenant, will forsake the word of God. But one thing that will save them, that will keep them safe, is they know their God. And my thing is, my last statement to, to you guys is like, let's make it our goal. I'm going to know Jesus better tomorrow. And I'm going to know Jesus better tomorrow. And just, all you need to do is just make sure you read the scripture. And the scripture, when you read the scripture, the Holy Spirit will come and, and explain to you. Every time, let me, say, let me say this. Whenever I read the Bible, I always ask, Jesus, Holy Spirit, lead me, please. 
explain the scripture to me. And I just read it. Even if I don't understand, I just read it because I believe that the Holy Spirit will lead it. Because I ask the Holy Spirit and I believe He will lead me to understand it. It's amazing because as that word be uh, shown into my heart, I would go through a situation all of, all, of, all of a sudden the scripture that I just read just came to my mind without me. I just, and I realized, ah, I read that scripture once. So that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And also the gathering of the believers. I always had people around me, my, my friends, my leaders, my wife, that fellowship. And the Sabbath means taking time aside to always spend with God where you're not distracted by anything else. Let's pray. I can have the measles. We can uh, close with this meeting. We're going to pray. I'd like to sing. Uh, I know this is out of the, out of the uh, thing, but let's just sing. Uh, you are always good. Can you sing that song? Is that all right? Is that good to us? Good to us all. Right. So let's let's uh, let me pray, and then, and then after I pray, we'll sing that song. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to know you, Lord. But we can only come to the knowledge of the truth if you, Lord, take the initiative and reveal yourself to us. And we trust that the Holy Spirit will reveal you to us. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit will only do, the, do that if we come to you, Jesus. So Father, I pray for people who don't know Jesus, if they listen to this message or watch, this, watch me preaching, I pray that, that you will draw them to Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit will lead them into all the truth. So if you don't know Jesus, just say, Jesus, I want to know you. Holy Spirit, I want to know Jesus. He will do it. And once you know, once you come to that point, the Bible says you are found by God. And the Bible promises, they that know their God will be strong and take action. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name. Let's see. Thank you, Father, for everything you've done for us. Amen.